praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. This has been a fantastic week in God's house. You may take your seats. And um, it seems that every night God comes with a fresh word, a fresh anointing. How many know that God is just thrilled to pour out a new anointing on people that will open his, their hearts to him? And um, this has been a great week, and uh, we thank you. Let, let's do a test here. How many have been out every night this week? All right, good, good. You don't get a prize, so don't shout too much. You know? But um, thank you for coming, and um, uh, tomorrow will be our final uh, first service services and uh, two services tomorrow and uh, we will have uh, Bill Allison with us who um, many from Riverside know as a great uh, teacher of the word of God, a great inspirer and one who believes that we should all be disciples in the faith. So it's going to be a great time. Now um, before we get into the word tonight and uh, to allow God plenty of time to move at the end of the service, uh, we're going to take up our offering right now, okay? And if you remember, we're saying we want to bless the servants of God that come to minister to us uh, here at Riverside, and uh, we ask you to give, and uh, and we will bless uh, the servants who are preaching the Word of God. So um, that's why we're taking these offerings. Nothing comes into Riverside. It goes out to uh, these that are preaching and bringing God's Word. How many know a servant is worthy of his hire? And, uh, and we've been blessed by the servants of God this week, and I know we're going to be blessed uh, tonight. So um, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. If you're making any checks out, make them out to Riverside. Mark them first services. If you're giving online, um, then you just go to the website and you can be led along on the website in how to give. If you're watching online tonight, if you're uh, streaming in, we're glad you're doing that and we're thrilled you're here. And uh, you know that word about a miracle coming, it's not just for people in the building, it's for you who are watching online as well. And I just say in the name of Jesus, receive your miracle right now. Wherever you are, wherever you're watching, receive your miracle right now in Jesus' name. And uh, we're just thrilled that you're with us uh, tonight. So let's pray and ask God's blessing on the offering. And uh, I, I just know he's going to bless as we hear the word of God in a few moments. Father, we love you with all our hearts. And we pray tonight that you will bless us in our giving we give because we love you, and we give because we love the servants of the Lord. And so, Father, we pray you'll bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can receive the offering. Praise God. Someone will bring the pulpit out, I'm sure, in a moment, because we're going to hear the Word of God in a moment. And um, we are thrilled tonight uh, to welcome to Riverside for the very first time uh, for the preacher, but not for his wife. Lizzie has been here before and ministered to the ladies here, ministered in worship, and she's blessed that she's been up there in worship with us tonight as well. Isn't that a great time of worship? And this team done a great job tonight. Give God praise. Amen. So uh, tonight, Lizzie has brought her husband along, and uh, Sean is going to be ministering the Word of God. Uh, they have a church in Pontiac where they're doing a, a terrific work for Jesus, authentic church, 
Is that right? Have I got that right? Yeah. Authentic church. And, um, you know, way out in the cornfields, they say, uh, they are doing a great work for Jesus. And I've been thrilled to get to know uh, this uh, wonderful young couple that are serving Jesus in such a powerful way. And I was thrilled when uh, Sean said that he was able to come and share tonight on this uh, final night of our first services. And I, I know that you're going to be blessed. So I, I want you, it's his first time at Riverside. Uh, so I want you to give him and Lizzie uh, a wonderful, warm welcome as he comes to minister the Word of God. Come on, lift it up. Man, uh, I'm excited to be here. Peoria, that's exciting. Are you guys you guys excited to be here? I can't tell. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. In that last song, it said, sometimes we can't see, but we can hear. Those lights are bright. So if you are here, I need to hear you because I can't see you. Four people are here. All right. Fourteen? I hear all of you. I'm glad that you came out again. Uh, my name is Sean Jensen. I pastor in Pontiac, and my beautiful wife was up here. And uh, before we jump in, I just really, I always, uh, we don't worship men, but we honor men. Uh, and I believe that wholeheartedly. And I don't know about you, but the faith that goes out from this pulpit is unbelievable. And just in case you took it for granted, just having lunch with your pastor two or three times the past couple months, I have left so filled with faith. Uh, don't ever take that for granted. So that we need to give some honor where it's due to Pastor John and Luddy for always bringing faith to this house. Because we need faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, we wouldn't see what God's doing here. So, Pastor John, Letty, appreciate you so much. Um, yeah, praise God. Thank you so much. I, I told my wife, I was like, man, like, one of the main reasons I, I love hanging out is because of his English accent. And then a close second is his faith. <laughs> it's actually reverse, but it's so cool. I'm like, we were hanging out once, and he said, that's brilliant. I felt, like, really good about myself. And I realized, like, brilliance, like, saying, that's good, like, in our terms. But that's brilliant. I'm going to take that and steal it. So, uh, again, my name is Sean. I actually brought a picture because my girls couldn't be here. Here's a, a picture of our family. That's me, my wife. That's, yeah, I know. You're welcome. That's Avery. She is four on Christmas Eve. And then little Charlie by me. She is two and a half. And uh, I just want to let you guys know that I preach to them before I preach to you. And if they're louder than you, we're going to have a problem because they shout me down. Get it, Daddy. You don't, you don't have to say that. That'd be weird. But just say, just say, get it. Or preach it or whatever you want to do. If something registers in your heart, feel free to let God know, not me. Uh, because he sent me, and I believe he sent me with the word to encourage you today. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel 17, uh, starting in verse 32. Some of you may have heard about the story about David and Goliath. Uh, don't tune me out. It's like, oh, preacher going to David and Goliath. I truly believe that God wants to speak a powerful word uh, to anyone who's willing to lean in. Um, if you're not expecting, you might as well leave now because you won't get anything out of it. But if you're expecting something, you're going to leave with something in your heart. I truly believe that. First uh, Samuel 17, if you could help me, I know we've already sat down, but could you stand up? We have a lot to read with the story, and I just have a feeling that if you're anything like me, you get distracted. Uh, so we're going to read through this together. We're going to go from 32 through 51, and I'm going to do my best to preach for you today. Uh, so it's going to take a minute to get through this, but it's an amazing story. It never gets old. Um, 
Here we go. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. So we know Goliath is taunting God's people. Everyone is hiding for their life. David comes out and says, we're going to do this. He says, I'll go fight him. Verse 33, don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. There's something about persistence. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. Whoa, battle plan, right? I can see Saul like, this is Goliath, not your sheep or goat. Bad. Uh, he goes, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So finally, Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped a sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff, a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. We are halfway there. You guys doing good? Your legs tired yet? All right, you, feel, you ready for this? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be so good. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at his ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David that you come at me with a stick. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's army, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will cut off your head, and then I will give it to dead bodies, to your men, to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. My action movie lovers, come on, can I get an amen? I did that for you. And everyone assembled here will know the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give it to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his fanny pack, I mean shepherd's bag, and taking out, just making sure you're still awake, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. I thought that'd be a good ending point right there. Come on, isn't it? Are you grateful for that story? Even though you've heard it since the time you were born, there's something about that story. Let's pray together. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit has already been here. I'm thankful, Lord, that you were here before we were here, already working on the hearts. And I know this message is going to deliver some people. It's going to rise faith up in some people and people are going to leave knowing who they're called to be. So, Lord, I pray that that miracle is in motion right now and that you would just continue it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before you sit down, I want you to find two people, give them a high five, and say, you're a warrior in disguise. Say, you're a warrior in disguise. Two people. If you have to move and get closer to someone, they're friendly. A warrior. A warrior. A warrior in disguise. Uh, that was more than two people, but I'll take it. A warrior, 
a warrior in disguise. I, I thought that right off the bat, since we got through that, that we would jump in something really spiritual, that we would just go deep right off the bat, just jump right in. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Transformers. Who loves Transformers? That's good theology, I know. Transformers. So if the only thing about Transformers, we're going back to the first one that came out. Some of you were probably not born yet, or you were too little to watch it, or your parents said no. Uh, but the first one, there's a story about this guy named Sam Widwicky, and he's got to get his first car at 16. And this is what his car looks like when he gets it from his dad. This has got a picture for you guys. This is the picture of the car. Now, he's not very excited about this because his dad plays a joke and says, I'm going to take you to a Porsche dealership. And then he pulls and he goes, you got to be kidding me, Dad. He goes, I am kidding you. You're not getting that Porsche. He took him to get one of these things. And uh, Sam Woodwickley did not like this thing because if you look at it, it's rusted out. It looks junky. And plus, he's 16. He wants to get the girl's attention. And I don't know about you, but the only attention that he would get from the girls is a different one than he, what he would want in this kind of car. And so he... He didn't like it. Well, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but as he begins to drive this car and everything, he realizes that it's got a mind of its own. He curses the thing. He hates the thing. He just is fed up with it. And in this moment, he's getting chased down by a a cop car. And as this thing's chasing him down, he realizes this car starts driving by itself. Now, here it comes, right? It starts driving by itself. They don't know what's going on. And then when the other car, who's trying to take out Sam Widwicky, transforms into this awesome robot that I used to play as I was a kid. You can judge me all you want. I still got some Transformers somewhere. They are the coolest thing ever, and I'll tell you why in a second. But in this moment... Sam had no idea what that car was capable of. He just saw what the picture I showed you. Can we put that picture up one more time? He just saw this car. Oh, wait, not that one, that car. But then as the thing kicks him out, he goes to war, he transforms into this thing. And at this moment, it's not this thing, there, that thing. And at that moment, him and the Megan Fox character in the movie, who she didn't make it to the second one because she's not that good of an actress, and she... uh, Oh, man. Hashtag Megan Fox. Oh, no. Uh, That transformer, he looks at it and he realizes this whole time the thing that he thought was useless and a piece of junk was actually a warrior in disguise. Now, I just have a feeling that, I know I'm going to make you do this a lot up there. I'm sorry. If you want to go back to the car, I have a feeling that when David came on the scene that day, and the Philistines were trying to take over Israel, and Goliath was taunting, and everyone was running for their life, I had a feeling that when David came in and said, I'll fight him, They saw that. Young. He was a shepherd. He's had no training. He doesn't know what he's doing. But by the end of the story, when verse 51 hits, they see this dude coming out, right? They're like, who is this guy? A warrior in disguise. I don't know why God wanted me to share this, but I know one reason I think is because God wanted me to come from Pontiac, Illinois, to tell Riverside and the people today that you may have not seen it yet, but you think you're the car. And he says, no, I got something far more greater in you than you have never seen yet. You are warriors in disguise. This church is a warrior in disguise. And I'm just hoping that by the time you leave, you'd stop looking at the rust stains, that you stop looking at all the dysfunction and all the things that set you back, and that you would begin to see yourself as that transforming robot to say, if God has put me on this earth, then he's going to have a purpose for me and our church to do something against darkness. I am a warrior in disguise. I'm a warrior in disguise. Now, here's the thing about being a warrior in disguise, because I sense it in this place right now. The thing about being a warrior in disguise is this. Number one, we don't have to look like a warrior to be a warrior. 
We don't have to look like a warrior to be a warrior. See, I'm going to pull back to verse 32 in our original text. It says, David said, don't worry about this Philistine. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. I love the exclamation mark. He was ready. I love, I mean, I know I just had my 30th birthday, but I just love seeing young people get a hold of what God has because they're just persistent. And so many times if we're not careful, like, well, just hold on a little bit. That fire run out. I hope it doesn't. They're persistent. I'll fight them. I'll do it. Don't be ridiculous. Sorry, Pi. There's no way we can fight this Philistine and possibly win. Here we go. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Saul says, you're only a boy, and you have no training. Have you ever, I don't know if you've ever done this, but have you ever gone to like a basketball game or a football game, and you see this person, and they got all the gear, right? They got all the gear. They have the new Under Armour shoes. They have the, they call them compression pants, but come on, they're spandex. That's just the cool name for it. I got my compression pants on. We used to call those spandex in the 90s, right? Like Farrah Fawcett music. Anyways, you have to ask your parents about that. And, uh, and we look at them, they have all the gear, right? And they show up and they can't make a layup. They can't pass the ball. They can't do anything. They have all the gear, but no game. All the gear. I have a feeling that sometimes people come to church like that. Uh, I got my Bible, I got my smile, I've memorized this many verses, but when trials come and Goliath stands in the way, we got no game. I think God wants to change that tonight because Saul says, (laughs) Goliath's been a man of war since youth. This is great because what he's saying is this guy's been trained, he knows what he's doing, and he will take you out in no time. David, you have no training in this. This cracks me up, right? Because Saul is telling David, You're, you have no training. But his men, who've been trained, who have all the gear, who have all the armor, are the ones scared for their life. He's saying, you, you can't do this. You haven't been trained. I would be like, Saul, all the people who have been trained are running for their life. I just want to let you know that I'll go after him. I will, I will take this. Can we make sure that we don't become a church that has all the gear? And not the game. A church that has the cool lights and we have the cool phrases, but we won't get out in the streets and love someone who is homeless. That we won't get out in the streets and love people who are broken. That we won't get down into people's messes and say, hey, I'm not just having my Christian t-shirt on. I'm actually about this business. I have the gear and I have the game. I came to love. It is quiet in here today. If you have gear, you need game. You need game. He says, you don't have to look like a warrior to be a warrior. You look at this story, and it was a terrible excuse for Saul because you look at all the soldiers, and they had all the gear, but they had no game. And if you pull that car up one more time, maybe some of you have identified yourself to the picture of this car. That you look at the rust stains in your life. God, what could I use? If you guys could put the car up there. What could I use? What could I be? Uh, look at what people have said about me. Have you seen my family? Do you know where I came from? Do you know what I've done? I'm not very smart. I didn't finish school. I went to college, but I dropped out. I, I, I'm a single mom. I don't know how this works. I'm tired. I'm, I'm exhausted. And we begin to look at this. But can I tell you something? God's warriors never really look like warriors. The story of this guy named Gideon who was hiding for his life in the bottom of a wine press. Threshing wheat. When you're supposed to do it on top of a mountain, he was hiding from his life. And the first words the angel of the Lord said to him was, mighty warrior. Could God call you a mighty warrior even though you're cowering for your life? Could God really think you're a mighty warrior even though right now you're telling yourself you're not? 
I came to tell some people today, you don't have to look like a warrior to be a warrior. You don't have to look, you don't have to, you don't have to look and say all the lingo and do all the things that looks right. You can be a warrior where you're at right now. David was told, you're only a boy. You're young. You're too little. You haven't been trained. But God said, what people see, it doesn't matter because what I see, there's something far greater in that. I love when people get a hold and they see the potential of them. They don't see where they're at right now. That's what Jesus did when he saw the prostitute. That's what Jesus did when he saw the fishermen. That's what Jesus did when he saw everyone else that everyone walked on top of. He said, there's some warriors in disguise. And I don't know why it keeps popping in my heart, but I truly believe Riverside is a warrior in disguise. You don't look like the other churches. That's okay. You don't act like the other churches. That's okay. This isn't a bash on other churches. Dude, you're in great too. But sometimes you feel like you're a little dysfunctional. You let anyone through those doors. That's a little bit of what heaven looks like, that you would open yourself up to everybody and say, we may not have it all together. We may not look like warriors, but my God, can use us. He's a warrior in disguise. You don't have to look like a warrior to be a warrior. Number two, we don't have to be noticed to be a warrior. This one's going to be very quiet. I'm not expecting you to get any applause out of this one. We don't have to be noticed to be a warrior. You see, let me give you some context here. David, at this moment, was anointed to be king, meaning God called him to be king over Israel, even though Saul was appointed king over Israel. This already happened a couple chapters before. But as soon as he got anointed, he didn't walk to the palace. He went back to the shepherd's field. I don't know what it is, but there's something sometimes where you can be anointed by God, but yet not be appointed by God. You can be anointed by God, but there's sometimes a season before you're appointed by God. Just because you're anointed to do something great for God doesn't mean you need to throw a fit when someone says no because you're not yet appointed for that moment. But he says, listen, it's okay. Warriors don't need to be noticed. I can be a warrior in my shepherd's field as much as I can be on the Philistine field. Warriors don't need to be noticed. Now, I want to talk to everybody in here, but I know in my heart a while back, God put a big vision in my heart. And sure enough, at that moment, you can begin to let it go to your head. Well, if God's anointed me, I'm the king of Israel. Why do I need to go back to the shepherd's field? Why do I need to go back and serve? Why do I need to go back? Because I'll tell you why. All warriors don't need to be noticed. I love this in verse 34 in original text. David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. What if it's not what everyone sees that makes you a hero, but the things that no one sees that makes you a hero? What if it's the things that no one sees that truly makes you a warrior and not the thing that everybody else notices? Let me do a little experiment. Who in here has heard of Pastor Lee Jong Rock? Do you know who he is? Anyone notice that name? No one. He's a pastor in South Korea who invented the baby box. He attaches a box to the outside of his house to allow parents to deposit their mentally handicapped or unwanted babies to stop them from being abandoned on the street. That's a hero in my book. 
He may not have the lights. He may not have the screen time. He may not have everything we think is a warrior. But what if it's the things that no one sees is what makes you a warrior, not the things that you do see? David said, listen, I know I'm anointed and appointed to be king. But right now I'm in the shepherd's field. And God told me to stay with the sheep. He told me to protect the sheep. So when a lion came and a bear came, I took care of my sheep. But no one saw it. But God did. God did. Now this is here. I really want to zone in on this point because a lot of people are anointed by God, but we're not appointed. There's this tension in there. There's that tension, right? Because you come into a season and you look at other leaders that David could. Saul was leading. He was doing a terrible job of it. And what happens since we're anointed to do something, we think we can come in and begin calling the shots. And God said, no, no, I've anointed you for sure, but I haven't appointed you yet. There's a difference And I love this about David because David didn't let it go to his head. He went back to the fields. Now, I'm building something here because you have to understand the reason why David conquered Goliath is because he was still being obedient to his father at the shepherd's field. You don't have to get, I've realized, I've seen this throughout church time. I see people say, you know what? I need connections. I need follows. I need likes. I need these people to notice me. And we spend our whole life trying to climb this ladder of success. And God says, I can do things you can't do. You can climb the ladder as much as you want, but before you know it, he's like, I'm working something over here. And the whole time you're spending working on your own self, you're missing out on the sheep and the flock right in front of you. You need to look at the people in front of you and stop trying to make it to the top by yourself. Just because you've been anointed doesn't mean you've been appointed. And in this story, it's so awesome because this is what, this is what happens with David's father in 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 17. This is before the fight takes place. One day, Jesse said to David, that's David's dad, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. His brothers were fighting the Philistine. They were in the army. They were the ones hiding for their life. And give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army of the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Could you imagine David right here? Dad! I am not a delivery boy. I'm a king. Now, if we have any fathers in here who got talked to like that, we all know where that person's going to go, right? Like, you, he, he said, here, I want you to take this food, and I want you to deliver it. Have you ever been anointed to be king but have asked to deliver food to your brothers? What does that look like? It looks like whoever carried this pulpit out that no one even noticed. What does it look like? It looks like the doors that get open on Sunday morning and the people smiling and greeting. What does it look like? It looks like the people who are in here cleaning this place throughout the week. (laughs) What does it look like? What does it look like to be the delivery boy? It says, you know what? I may have been called to be king, but I haven't been appointed yet. And I will listen to my father's instructions. David said, dad, I will do that. And as he was delivering the bread, God was delivering his destiny. Oh my gosh. Some of you just missed that right there. As soon as he said, whatever, here, can I tell you something, guys? (laughs) Your destiny is delivered through simple acts of obedience. 
Your destiny is delivered through just delivering the bread when your father says speak, when your father says pray, when your father says bring the pulpit out, when your father says pray for that person, give money to the people in need. He says through that simple act of obedience, David, I'm going to put you on the front line and people will begin to notice you today. If he would have not delivered that food and said, I'm a king, he would have missed out on his opportunity. But I'm here to tell you, don't let it go to your head. You've maybe been anointed with a great vision from God but simple acts of obedience will get you to the promises of God. Don't give up. We don't like that. Just tell me my promise is here now. No, because if your promise came too fast, you wouldn't be ready for it because you wouldn't have time to take out the bears and the lions and you wouldn't be ready for Goliath. But because he fought the lion and he fought the bear, he was ready for Goliath. Your destiny is delivered through simple acts of obedience. I don't know who this is for today, but some of you have been anointed. I, I sense it in my heart that you've gotten a word from God. And it's big. And I've seen this. My, my grandfather is a pastor. Um, appreciate him. And my grandma constantly praying for, for me. And uh, my family has followed Jesus. And I lived in a Christian home. And I'm thankful for that. Actually, my family's right here in the second uh, row. I'm thankful that they came. My brother, my mom, my dad. I'm grateful that they came out an hour away to support me. And I know, yeah, you can give it up for them. They, they prayed for me. And the thing, the thing that I've seen so many times in, in my grandfather's church and now having a church where people walk in, have an anointing to be a worship leader. All right, go grab that broom and clean up that dirt. Oh, no. I'm telling you something. If you are too big to serve, then you can't lead. Oh, I'm anointed to bring people into the presence of God. Well, bring them in the presence by opening the door first. Why? Because your simple act of obedience. Can I tell you something? I I don't want to break this thing. If I break it, I will buy you a new one. I promise. I'll make the check. Shane Jensen. That's my brother. Do you know what I was doing when God put the vision in my heart? Can you see me? You guys can see me. Stop. All right. This is what I was doing. Sean, I, have a, I want you to be a pastor. I have called you. I've equipped you. And this is what I want to do through you. And I was in Tulsa Bible school. And he says, now, since I told you that, can you take the podium out for Pastor Paul? Why? That really didn't feel like slaying Goliath. What? Oh, you're done, Paul? Okay. I know it's awkward, but it kind of feels like it. Oh, oh, you want to speak again? Okay. If I start breathing heavy, I need to work out more. That's what it is. I'm going to do that twice. I was going to do it one more time, but for the sake of time and my health. Uh, and then after that, I'm an intern with him. He says, hey, Sean, uh, we need to set up the whole place. Can you go out and set up the chairs? Do you know why I'm here? I came to Bible school to be a pastor. Yeah, while you're doing that, can you go out with the food trucks and take food to the homeless? No, I want to preach on stage. What you preach out there is going to be way louder than what you preach up here, Sean. But what's happening? Simple acts of obedience. And then he said, Sean, I want you to go to Cornell, Illinois. I was in Tulsa. The land of milk and honey, everybody. The Bible Belt buckle. 
Like, we're talking like, every, just walk into a place and everyone's like, hey, how are you doing? Jesus loves you. Thank you so much for that word. Here, you look at people like, get away from me. You're like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Midwest, anyway, like somehow you're looking at me right now like you're done. And you, and I walked and he said, go to Cornell. Population 500. From Tulsa. To do what? Take care of youth and young adults. Go ahead. God, you put something in my heart. Two years, two and a half years later, still setting up chairs, still doing a lot of the work, helping my grandfather. God puts in our heart, I want you to start a church. Pontiac. And we begin to start, and it wasn't easy. But now when you see 12 people give their heart to Christ, and five to 600 people show up on Christmas in a town of 12,000, you realize it was never really me having the stage. It was me just being obedient to my father's instruction. Just go here. Just be here. Some of you are waiting for your breakthrough and you're trying to do it in your own strength. He says it's going to happen when you're delivering food. It's going to happen when you don't even expect it. You know why? Just to show you it was God and not you. That's how he works. So if you've been, the reason why I share this from the bottom of my heart is because some of you are anointed to do great things. And I don't want you to miss your appointment because you tried to get there by yourself. You just keep serving. You just keep loving. You just keep praying. You just go where he asks you to go. And I promise you, there'll be a day when you step over Goliath and say, today is my moment. Just because I was listening to simple acts of obedience. The limelight's not that great if you're not serving behind the scenes. Because you won't do it with the heart from God. You, you don't have to look like a warrior to be a warrior. You don't have to look like a warrior to be a warrior, right? You don't have to be noticed to be a warrior. I think one of my favorite things is this. A warrior's weakness exposes God's strength. A warrior's weakness. So when we say warrior, right, we think, oh, like we're strong. We got this. And the truth is about David is this. In this story, verse 45 and 46 in our scripture, this is what happened. David replied to the Philistine, right? He said this, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. You see, he came up with this because Goliath looked at David and said, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? The weapons Goliath used was this, sword, spear, and javelin. That was Goliath's choice. David's choice was sling, staff, and a fanny pack. Shepherd's bag, but come on, we know what you're thinking. Where he kept the stones. See, he didn't look like a warrior. He didn't talk like a warrior. He didn't even act like a warrior. But when it came down to it, it wasn't really about him. It was about God. Goliath said, am I a dog that you come to me as sticks? And he said, I'm not, I'm not coming to you with spears. I'm not coming to you with swords. I'm not coming to you with javelins. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of heaven armies. It's not really about the gear. It's not really about the weapons. You see, David was weak. He was the underdog. David was not supposed to win this fight. But there's something about weak people that God uses that's so unique. It's something that's so hard to put your head around because we have a a problem of admitting that we're weak. Yet when we admit that we're weak, God's strength is displayed. And he says, listen. I don't have all the gear. I don't have the sword. I don't have the spear. I don't have these things. And I begin to think about not just the weapons we have, but if you could picture yourself as this, David was the weapon that God was using. Who was, da- who was God's weapon? David. 
Who was God using to take out Goliath? David. Who is God going to use to love Peoria? Riverside. Who's the weapon? We're the weapon. Now, I love this about the weapon. Because have you noticed, and this might sound a little weird, if I went to someone and there was a room full of 25 UFC fighters, let's just say UFC fighters, and I grabbed one of you and I said, here's a spoon. Go in there and take them out with a spoon. If that person walks out with that spoon and all of them knocked out, you're not even going to look at the spoon, right? You could care less about the spoon. You're like, who is this person? Is this Captain America? Like, you'd be like, who is this? You could care less about the spoon. Now, if I gave them a samurai sword or something more powerful, not, you know, it's going to get a little violent, but we'll, we'll, get, we'll get back, I promise. We'll keep it light. And they walked out. You're going to be like, yeah, you had a sword, right? Because the strength of the weapon diminished the strength of the person. But when someone can fight someone with a spoon, it's not really about the spoon. It's about the person holding the spoon. Can I tell you why God uses weak people? We're the spoons. We're the spoons. He says, I'm going to use the weak people because when I walk out of that fight, no one's going to look at David. They're going to be like, God is big. I used to get so defeated that people, when I started church, we were growing and I would hear things and I don't want to use this to talk about that, but I don't have the same education as some people. I wasn't the the same age as some people and people would tell me, you're too young. You need to go do this. You didn't even go to a real school. And I would get so defeated by that. I went to VBI, Victory Bible Institute in in Tulsa, and and I loved it. And I believed that what happened there is what God has brought me to here. And so people would ask me, where'd you go to school? And I would say, Victory Bible College. Because I was nervous that if they said institute, they wouldn't take me seriously. Why? Because of my weakness. How old are you? Well, I'm 25, but I'm going to be 26 in two months. And you're starting a church? God told me to. You see, I used to get so defeated when people would get in my business. And now, years later, seeing what God has done through our church and through our lives, now I'm like, hey, come check it out. What have you done? I went to VBI two years. You didn't go to seminary? I haven't gone. Now, school is important. Go learn. Go grow. But listen to me. How old are you? I just turned 30 last Monday. When did you start church? I was 25. Had no idea what I was doing. Was it hard? Absolutely. Did you make mistakes every single day? And I used to let that make me insecure, but then I realized one thing. It was my weakness that pointed to God's strength. The only reason the church grew was because he used my weakness. He says, if you're just weak, I don't know who you are today, but the reason why you canceled yourself out is because you're like, Sean, I'm weak. I'm not smart. I don't know enough scripture. I don't know how much money I have. I don't have this. And I'm here to tell you today, your weakness will display God's strength. He wants to use you so that you don't get the credit, but he gets the credit. He's got a way of using the misfits and the outcasts and the people that no one notices. I hope this is bringing hope to you. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 says this. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, Paul says. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So no, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. 
That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Me and my daughters love to get in pillow fights. It's the best thing ever. I mean, you had kids that get in pillow fights. Let's be honest. Like, you can, like, kind of hit them harder than what you want to, especially if you're frustrated because it's a pillow, right? Like, don't judge me. Like, you're like, oh, this is so much fun. I'm like, isn't it? Isn't it fun? Is it good? I'm, like, getting aggression out, but they're like, this is great. You know, like, good. You know, like, you know, listen to your mom all day. And, you know, it's just a pillow fight. But one day, like, Charlie, she's like, she's like this tall. She's so cute. She's so little. And she was running, and she has this thing where she bites her hand when she's nervous. So she's running like this. And she just wants me to hit her with the pillow. That's all she... And I'm like, and I hit her, and she falls a little bit or gets jolted back. And she goes, ah! And runs back. She's like, I want more. There was one time where we were playing, and I don't know what I was doing. It got pretty intense. And I turned around, and I went, wham! And she just went... And went all the way across the living room into the wall. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And my wife was like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know my own strength, I guess. See, my wife wasn't worried about the pillow. She's like, you were the one using the pillow. God just has a way of using anything. You're like, I'm not the sharpest sword. God can use you. I'm not the smartest person. God can use you. I don't have enough schooling. God can use you. Have you seen my family? Have you seen Jesus' family? <laughs> Rahab was in there. Bathsheba. Anybody remember David and Bathsheba? Have you seen Jesus' family? You see, I, I've realized in times of urgency, anything become a weapon. Right? Uh, my my father-in-law is from North Carolina. My wife's from North Carolina. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this in a few minutes, but I really want to share this with you because I really feel like God wants to speak something else into your heart. Uh, my, my father's from North Carolina. He might be listening, so i got to be very careful what I say. Uh, so he's from North Carolina, and uh, his daughter, obviously, um, lives, you know, she's my wife. And we were at the house, and he asked me one day, he said, hey, do you own a gun? I'm not going to answer this for you because you don't need to know any of that. That's not the important thing. But what he's saying is, no, I don't own a gun, actually. So, uh, uh, and I was like, no, I don't. I'm more nervous that I'll hit everybody else besides the person I'm supposed to. I don't know about this. I don't want to get into the political stuff or anything like that. I was just like, I don't have one. And so every time I see him, he's like, have you got a gun yet? Have you got a-? You know, like he's just kind of making sure he's protecting his daughter. I was like, I don't, sir. But I do have a golf club. <laughs> you guys can laugh. Like, uh, yeah, I have a golf club. Now, I don't know about you, but my wife said, Sean, what are you going to do with the golf club? I'm like, listen, if anyone come near my house and my girls, you watch what I do with that golf club. Because in times of urgency, I don't care what you put in my hands, I'm going to do something. And I just believe God just wanted to speak that in this church today. That he said, the times are urgent, Riverside. There's people who are dying going to hell every single day. We don't have time to sit and wait. In times of urgency, he can still use the weakest weapons. You may not be, you may be weak, but our God is strong. In times are urgent, he can do some damage with you. He can take out some darkness with you. Some of you don't believe it yet. I'm just going to shout it until you believe it. That even though you have been through addiction, even though you've been through pain, even though you've been through diagnosis and cancer, you are not out of this fight. You may be weak, but our God is strong. But you'll never see his strength until you are obedient.
guys, we'll never see his strength until we say, God, use me. Man, even to this point, you look at leaders, people come in, they, they, they give me too much credit. I'm like, don't do that. If you just have a day in my life, you'd see how weak I really am. But God is so faithful. You don't have to have it all together for God to use you. This church, I don't see a beat up car. I see a transformer. I don't know what God was showing me. But Riverside has a mission. And you don't have to sharpen your sword for God to use you. He can use you. And as you get sharper, and as you get stronger, and as you trust Him more, God will begin to open up doors that you've never seen in your life. You don't have to look like a warrior to be a warrior. You don't have to be noticed to be a warrior. And even if you're weak, it's all right. God can use you. I want to end by reading verse 15, verse 51 at the end of the fight. David took him out. He said, so David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. <laughs> then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. You see, Jesus is in every page of the Bible. When we read about David and Goliath, and I'm not trying to insult intelligence or anything, but maybe you haven't realized this yet, that from Genesis to Revelation, everything points to Jesus. Jesus is the greater David. See, David was a picture of the Messiah who would come and fight sin and death. David was a picture, let me show you. David was a picture of Jesus. Goliath, a picture of our sin and death. Sean, where are we at? Well, we're the Philistines running for our life. But I want to be David. Jesus is David. Can I be David? Absolutely. Because there's this man who was fully God and fully man who was a warrior in disguise. He didn't look like a warrior. He was a carpenter. And he was born in a manger. No one saw him as a warrior, but he was a warrior. No one noticed him. The, the, the religious gurus and the, the Pharisees and all the priests and the teachers didn't even recognize him. But he said, I don't need to be noticed to heal. I don't need to be noticed to reach after the lepers. I don't need to be noticed. And in the most weakest moment of Jesus' life on the cross, right, was a picture of our weakness in sin and God's strength of grace. Jesus was a warrior in disguise. In his weakest moment, it was his strongest moment. Uses our weakness to show strength, but I, I can't stop there because we look at the cross and sometimes we're thank, we are thankful for the cross. But Goliath had a sword, and David wanted to say, "I am not going to fight you with the sword. You can come at me with the sword. I'm going to come at you with a sling." And Goliath fell. But in this moment, just to fulfill prophecy, just to make sure we understand that Jesus is the greatest David, he says, "Now I will take the sword from Goliath." 
and I will sever off the head to say it is finished. The cross was the enemy's weapon to take Jesus out, but he didn't know it was Jesus' weapon to take sin out. He took the sheath from Satan. He said, you were going to kill me with this. Now I'm going to use it to cut off sin and death and hell and addiction. And three days later, I'm going to walk out of that grave so you can conquer your own Goliaths. And you can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Warrior in disguise. I don't want you leaving this place thinking like, I got this. The Holy Spirit's got this. See, I hear people say, Sean, you can't put yourself in David's shoes because we're not David. We're the Philistines hiding. I absolutely agree. We can't. But Jesus says, the same, or Scripture says, the same Spirit rose Christ from the dead lives within us. The same Spirit that operated in Christ now lives within us. So you better believe any Goliath that comes after us, our family, our church, the Holy Spirit can say, I can give you the strength to look that thing in the eye and take out the things that used to take you. Debt, take it out. Addiction, take it out. Pornography, take it out. Hurt, take it out. Sin and shame, take it out. We have a warrior in disguise. I just want to speak that into your heart today. You have a warrior. I don't know who it is right here in this area. Maybe all of y'all. I got that from my wife. She's from North Carolina. God's put something in your heart. That's huge. Don't take it into your own hands. You may have been anointed, but not appointed. But I tell you one thing from, if you just learn from my life, just take every step being obedient to what God's asking you to do. He always shows up. And when he does, your worship will get louder. Your praise will get crazier. Why? Because you'll just realize that I have nothing to do with this. He used me in my weakest. I know we already did offering. I told Pastor John, I just really wanted to pray over some people today. It was in my heart. And if you're here, I'm not going to drag this on anymore. But what if I want to do is say, you've been defeated in your life where you're at. God has given you a vision. He's put something in your heart, but you don't feel like a warrior in disguise. There's two things I want to do. There's some people who need just to be prayed over that the Holy Spirit would be reignited in their life, that they would receive that spirit so that they can see any obstacle the way Jesus saw it. There's other people in here who say, I've been anointed by God, but I haven't been appointed yet. And I just need some prayer that God would give me the strength to be obedient even when it's hard. Because I sense something in this church that I can't even explain to you. But I do know there's going to be some Goliaths that are going to fall. And they're already falling in Peoria. They're already falling. They're already falling. And if we don't take for granted what God is doing here, we won't miss it. So in 2018, you are warriors in disguise, but every warrior has a war cry. Don't lose your worship, church. Don't come in here and take it for granted, church. Who cares what people think when you lift up your hands? Who cares what people think when you shout from your lungs? It's not really about us. God deserves all of it. And their war cry, Riverside, is not to lose your worship. Keep your heart soft. 
because God wants to use you. Some of you are on the way of delivering the food right now. And you're ready to throw the basket aside. Do not throw it aside. Stay put and watch God work in it. If you're here today, maybe you're not comfortable or not. You say, Sean, I just need some prayer. I want to be a warrior in disguise. I feel weak. I'm weakest. I just want to see God's strength used in my life. Don't worry about the people next to you. I just want to pray with you up here. We're going to bring the music up. But if you want to stand right here in the front, we're going to pray for you. It doesn't matter who it is. And we're going to recognize those people as they come up and we're going to cheer for them. But if you want to come down right now, we're not even going to drag this on and say, you know what? I just need some prayer. I've seen myself as weak. I don't know. I know God's put big vision in my heart. Come on. Someone started off right now. I did not bring a word from Pineck, Illinois for you to sit. This is the time to be obedient to what God's got. Let's give it up for him. Come on up. Come on, anybody else? You should stay right there. If you want to right now, just keep, just want you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes. If you could, just put your arm, put your hands out. Put your hands out, face. Close your eyes. We're gonna have more people come up in a second. If you're here and you've never heard about this Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that was Christ from the dead lives within you. Maybe you've been trying to fight Goliath, but you've been doing it in your own strength. You need the strength of the Holy Spirit. That's what you need. If you need that strength, can you come up forward too? If you've never really been prayed to say, I've never received the Spirit in my life, we believe in that on the laying of hands. If you want to come up, we want to pray for you right now. And if you're up here, we'll believe with you too. If there's someone in here that's working in your heart right now, I'm telling you, the fear of getting up and walking out will be over in a second, but the thing that's going to stick with you will live, will live with you within a lifetime. So it would take two seconds of fear to come up and get something that's going to last life. And thank you, sir, for your obedience. Anybody else? I'm persistent like David. I'll keep this thing going all night because there's some people that God wants to use. Anyone else says, I need that Holy Spirit in my heart and my life. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? this area to stand up, please. Stay right there. Thank you. Is this all right, Pastor John? Is this all right? If you guys close your eyes. You guys just, you just keep listening to what God's speaking to your heart. I'm going to speak to this section behind you in a second. You guys just keep your eyes closed. Father God, where 
we wait and we wait and we wait to be used by God. And yes, wisdom is huge. We need godly wisdom in our life. We need Paul and we need Timothy. We need them all. But I just pray that the words that were spoken over this group of young people, that they would leave right now. That were anything that were the lies of the enemy, anything that has built barriers in their mind, I pray that they would dream big, that they would praise big, that they wouldn't worry, Father God, but that they wouldn't be anxious about anything. But you want to fulfill some things through them, Father God, that you want to do that is vast. And Lord, they can't even see it yet, but as the Holy Spirit imparts into their hearts and their lives, I pray that they would begin to see things with a new perspective, Father God, and that they would step out with the simple acts of obedience, that they would submit themselves to you, Father, and if they need to deliver some food, let them deliver the food with the joy of the Lord that is their strength, so that the praise would ever be on their lips, that people would say, there's something different about this generation. I need what they have. Let them stand out right now in Jesus' name. Let's pray for everyone up front right now. You know what? Let's just go into worship. I'm just going to go down and lay hands on all the real fast with Pastor John and if you have a ministry team. I'm just going to put my hands up. So if we could go back into worship right now, I'm going to come down and pray for you guys specifically. Just for a minute.